In March of 2022, our family was forced to evacuate from Ukraine. We have served as missionaries in Lviv for over 20 years, and now, like so many others, we find ourselves suddenly displaced from our home, our church, and our precious Ukrainian friends. But despite the shock of evacuation, God is opening doors and leading us step by step down this new path. Our purpose is to bless and minister to Ukrainians affected by the war. Come with us as we share our stories, striving to serve God, bless people, and praying that someday soon, this journey will lead us back to our beloved Ukraine. Hey folks, Joshua here. Welcome back to the Journey to Ukraine podcast. This episode will be the first of our previously announced mini episodes. So Kelsey is not with us on the show today, but fear not, she's just in the other room doing her her usual super mom heroics and we'll definitely have her back in future episodes. The truth is that when you have a big family with lots of kids and responsibilities and you're trying to produce a podcast, it can be easier to get one person in front of the microphone than two. Um, So from time to time, we're hoping to bring you more frequent updates that are uh, individually a bit shorter. So with all that said, let's jump right into the big news that we have for you today. So our big news today is that I have finally received my Slovak temporary residency card. This is a massive win for our family. Um, We received this on November 11th uh, after three tries on submitting my paperwork. Um, And some of you may remember that after we first evacuated, one of the things that for me as a father and as a husband of our family um, was very clear was uh, that I I had three major objectives that after evacuating, I felt like we needed to accomplish for the safety and stability of our family. Um, One of those was stable housing, which God provided for us very early on. The second one was a reliable vehicle, which again, thanks to the uh, the amazing generosity of many, many saints uh, across the world. Uh, we were, of course, able to buy our our blue van, which continues to run wonderfully. And the third objective was temporary residency status here in Slovakia, because we knew that without that, uh, we had there was a great chance we'd essentially get kicked off the continent after 90 days. Um, many of you may be aware that when tourists, uh, say from the U.S. or Canada, come to countries of the EU, and, and sometimes that's other countries, Ukraine has the same rule, they can stay for 90 days um, just as a tourist, pretty much no questions asked. But beyond that, you either have to leave for 90 days or you have to have some type of official paperwork, residency, something of that nature. So the fact that we were able to obtain this residency, despite all the red tape and the bureaucracy and the long delay, the fact that we did get it is a, is a very great answer to prayer, and we're excited about that. So what all does this mean now for our family going forward? What does this enable us to do? What are our plans? Well, before we get into that, let me share a few more details uh, about the residency process that is still ongoing for Kelsey. So the same day that we went to the foreign police uh, to pick up my residency card, we were also supposed to submit the paperwork for Kelsey's residency card. Um, and this was the third time that we went to submit her papers, and sadly, they again rejected her paperwork basically because of an extra stamp they now require. We were quite surprised at this because they have actually seen Kelsey's documents on some previous occasions, um, and they had assured us that everything was in order. 
Um, the, the stamp in question is one for her criminal background check from Ukraine. Slovakia requires criminal background checks from your home country or any country that you've lived in for you know longer than a certain amount of time. And for us, that meant the United States being our home country and Ukraine since we've lived there for so long. So bottom line, there apparently has been a rule change, and now there's this new kind of confirmation uh, paper or stamp that they need along with her criminal background check in order to accept it. So sadly, we were not able to submit Kelsey's paperwork uh, on the day that we went. Um, and in order to get this stamp that they now require, it means two more trips for me to the Ukrainian embassy in Bratislava. I went last week, or, or excuse me, earlier this week, drove down there two hours, um, submitted the uh, paperwork for them to approve and to provide me this confirmation stamp. And then I need to go back again on Monday um, this next week uh, to pick it up. And then hopefully we'll be able to submit her paperwork on December 19th here at the foreign police. And that will now be our fourth attempt. So please pray for us that this time when we submit her paperwork, they will accept it and we'll actually be able to start the process of, of, uh, processing her residency status here in Slovakia. If they accept it, we accept, we expect to receive her residency card somewhere around, um, three to four weeks after submission. That was what happened for me. Initially, we were told it was going to take something like three months, but once we submitted it, only about three and a half weeks or so passed before they said it was ready and we could come get it. So anyway, huge win on receiving my residency. Please continue to pray for Kelsey that she'll get her residency and that we'll be able to take care of all of that. Okay, moving on. So let's talk a little bit about future plans relative to this achievement of uh, receiving the residency. And we're we're expecting Kelsey's probably you know sometime around the first of the year, but we we don't anticipate any major problems with that. So what does this mean? Does it mean we're going back to Ukraine? Does it mean we're traveling more? Um, the short answer is that it means we'll start making visits to Ukraine. Uh, we still don't know for sure the time frame that we'll be able to go back to Ukraine on a permanent. Uh, basis. But one of our near-term goals is to start making trips to Ukraine. Uh, this also, now that we have this residency, this also enables, enables us to travel more in Europe. We still have contact with Ukrainians who are living uh, in uh, Poland, and uh, we're, we're, we're pleased now to have the door open again to visit them if, if the need arises. But uh, we definitely want to start making some trips back to Lviv uh, to visit people there, to take care of affairs, to support the ministry, things like that. Now, we don't have a date yet, but we are seriously looking at a trip probably in the next one to two weeks. Um, the one drawback, of course, is that since Kelsey still does not have her residency, she's not able to travel outside of Slovakia. So this trip will definitely be a solo trip for me. Um, and one problem with that is that if I were to go in the new van, in our blue van, that would sort of leave Kelsey and the kids without a vehicle. Yes, they would still have the old van, but um, it's not so reliable. Kelsey doesn't really drive it. And uh, that's a complication. Now, it's possible that we, I might drive the old van. We're still not sure. But in the future, we're probably going to have a situation where we have essentially one vehicle and I need to take that vehicle to Ukraine and that leaves Kelsey and the kiddos here with uh, no car and we're we're outside of the city enough where um, it's it's difficult to get access. It's not as easy as it is, say, in Lviv. So one thing that we've actually been discussing is the purchase of a second car, some kind of a small car, um, and that would enable us to... Um, 
to do several things for trips like this. Maybe I could go in the car, leave Kelsey the van with the kids. Um, or it might also be ha handy for times when we need to to take other people with us to some event. Right now, if our family's in the van, that's it. We, we fit exactly. There's eight of us and there are eight seats and there's no extra room. So anyway, we've talked for a while about the possibility of purchasing a second car, something small. And happily, we have some funds left over from the initial round of donations that came in. Um, so we think that should be feasible, but the potentially the bigger hurdle is the documents. Um, it's complicated buying vehicles over here. And so all that to say, just pray with us, please, about transportation and about trips back to Ukraine. Definitely want to be making some trips in the near future. Um, we certainly have the, the capability of doing that with our van. But as we look further into the future, it's possible we may want to try to get a second car. And if that happens or if that's the way God leads us, um, there will definitely be some hurdles to overcome. So we would appreciate your prayers for that. All right, next up, I wanna give you a couple of comments about the war. Um, I get the impression from people that I've talked to that uh, a lot of folks in the States are not following the news uh, on Ukraine as much uh, or are not as aware as maybe they used to be. Um, now, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have a greater interest in Ukraine maybe than the average of American. Um, but nonetheless, uh, for those of you that may not be up to date with all the latest, I wanted to share a few highlights. Um, one of our one of our uh, our big news points from the past week or so is that on November fifteenth, Rush, Russia launched another massive missile barrage that hit targets all across Ukraine. Uh, you may have heard about the the uh, missile strike that actually hit in Poland, and I'll get back to that in a moment. But suffice to say, Russia has continued targeting infrastructure. They are basically doing their best to make sure that everyday Ukrainians don't have any heat in their homes for the winter. Um, if you had any um, misgivings about the, uh, the justification of Russia's cause, um, look at what they continue to do. Um, this is not Russia defending itself. This is not just a political squabble. This is, a, um, this is an autocratic, tyrannical country, nation, government that has attacked its neighbor and they are not just fighting on the battlefield. They are, uh, they are targeting civilian areas with their missiles countrywide. Um, the fact is they're actually doing quite poorly on the battlefield. And one of the few ways that they're able to actually make any headway in this war is by targeting Ukrainian cities. Now, amazingly, from what I was told, this last barrage actually did more damage than the one similar to it that happened in mid-October. Um, some of you may remember we talked about that as well. There was a huge missile strike or missile attack that hit power plants and, and heating stations and all kinds of, of energy-related infrastructure all across Ukraine back in October did massive damage. That's when they first started talking about having to do regularly scheduled blackouts and things. Well, this strike that happened on November 15th, which as of this recording is only just a few days ago, um, did actually more damage than that. And I've been in touch with people, many friends in Ukraine and Lviv and other parts, and it's not good. Um, just yesterday, we had a staff meeting um, with Tanya, who's one of our, um, our team members there in Ukraine. Um, she was at church because there is no power at her house. Um, her, one of her sons was homesick. Um, they have no way to heat uh, their house. They have no way to cook food when there's no electricity. 
Um, and they are getting electricity, but it's very hit and miss. My understanding is that if everything's going, quote, normally as planned, there are scheduled blackouts like twice a day for everybody. So essentially two blocks of four hours every day, people don't have power. In some areas of the country, namely Odessa, where my friend said Hichapata serves with the military, they've been told that they will only have power for three to four hours out of every 24 uh, so it's basically like, okay, the power is going to be coming on here in a couple of hours. So um, get all your phones, get all your power banks or whatever you need to charge, heat some water, whatever. And you got about three hours and then it's off again until, until tomorrow. Um, and as we all know, when the power goes out, that's inconvenient. But when your heat is dependent on that power, which it is, whether, whether directly or, you know, in people's homes or indirectly because of the, the infrastructure that, you know, heats the water or pumps it or whatever, um, people are left sitting in the cold. Um, so this is this is a serious development. Um, Ukraine's uh, infrastructure has been has been greatly degraded. In Lviv, I believe I read recently that they they have everybody mostly hooked up to power, but the the system can only withstand about thirty percent of the load. So they can only they can only provide power uh, to about thirty percent of the population at any given time. And of course, going into winter, um, that's tough. Now, I think if Russia is hoping that their actions here by targeting Lviv's infrastructure are going to somehow demoralize the Ukrainians and get them to give up or try and sue for peace, they are sadly mistaken. I said before this war started, uh, in fact, that was one of the reasons that I didn't think Putin would really attack because I knew the Ukrainians would fight tooth and nail. They will never surrender. They will never give up. And this changes nothing. Um, in, in that, in that regard, now it makes it harder for them. There are many people suffering and that's, that's tragic, but the Ukrainians will fight on and, uh, we are praying for them. We are excited to hear some of the good news that's coming from the battlefield. One of the big victories, um, that's come in recently, of course, is the return of Kherson and much of that region to Ukrainian control. Uh, again, as expected, they are uncovering evidence of war crimes and torture and depression and all kinds of just unspeakable things that happened there. But praise the Lord, um, the Russians have now been pushed solidly to the eastern side of the Dnipro River. They now hold no territory on the western side, and they now hold no oblast centers that they did not control already before February 24th. To rephrase that, the only uh, the only oblast center that they were able to capture after the February invasion was the city of Kherson. Um, now, they previously controlled and still do uh, Luhansk and Donetsk, and that, that started back in 2014. But Kherson was the only foothold that they, or the only, the only oblast center that they were able to actually occupy and control since their invasion. They missed Kharkiv, certainly Kyiv, Sumy, Chernihiv. Um, they don't control any of those. And Kherson was one of the places that they supposedly annexed and had this big party that Kherson is part of Russia and rah, rah. Um, that's baloney. Uh, they don't control it. Kherson is Ukraine, and it's now back firmly under Ukrainian control, and we're excited about that. So anyway, the war is far from won. There are, there are encouraging developments. Um, the targeting of Ukrainian infrastructure, uh, another example of Russia's persistent war crimes against Ukraine, uh, is ongoing. And so please pray for folks. Um, 
you know, our family is sort of in exile. We have our challenges, but at least our home is warm. We have electricity, uh, we have food, we have water. There are people in Ukraine that are struggling just to just to provide these simple basics for their families. So please continue to pray for Ukraine, pray for success on the battlefield, pray that God would thwart Russia um, and their aggression against Ukraine, and uh, just pray that this war would end and that peace would return uh, to the country of Ukraine. So that's mostly everything we had to share with you today. Coming up in future updates, uh, we'll have more to share, uh, including some new developments in our ministry with Ukrainians here in Jelina. We're excited to see some of the things that are developing, and we want to share those with you. Um, hopefully in time, we'll have more details regarding our trips to Ukraine now that we're able to travel again. We also have more progress updates in store for you with regard to the Good and Evil ministry and how God is using the Good and Evil comic book to spread the gospel in Ukraine. And we also want to bring you up to date on our Bible First ministry. We haven't talked about that much lately, but that is ongoing. Um, we have a lot happening there. It, re it remains a core part of our ministry, and we'd like to tell you some of the new things going on in Bible First. So as always, we're grateful for your prayers, for your support for our family. Please keep praying for Ukraine. Pray for peace and for liberty, for victory over the oppressor. That is all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and have an exquisite day. May God bless Ukraine. Нехай Бог благословить Україну.